the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Police shot and killed the gunman after the casino incident. Investigators believe the gunman targeted a specific person he was angry at, but that person wasn't at the Oneida Casino at the time. So says the Brown County Sheriff's Office. A sheriff's deputy says the gunman apparently still chose to shoot some of the victim's co-workers or friends. Correspondent Andrew Stewart. SpaceX celebrating today got the job done, bringing four astronauts safely back to Earth early this morning, making the first U.S. crew splashdown in the dark since Apollo 8. That's a long time ago. The Dragon capsule parachuted into the Gulf of Mexico near the Florida Panhandle. This is SRN News. Hey, it's Mike Gallagher. AM 1280 The Patriot is one of the great radio stations in America. I'm proud and thankful to be broadcasting on this station because 1280 The Patriot is composed of truly terrific people. Whenever I visit the Twin Cities, it's an added bonus to meet the people at this great station. You're too kind. We make a great team. Thanks for sticking with us through the last 20. Here's to 20 more. AM 1280 The Patriot. Just a little bit after 1 p.m. here at AM 1280, The Patriot. My name is Brian, and for the weather today, it's going to be a high of 72 degrees with a chance of showers and thunderstorms. Mother's Day is coming fast, Sunday, May 9th, and wouldn't it be a treat if you won $1,000 for your mom? She can use it to bless a local charity or organization or to treat herself to a spa day later this year. It only takes a minute to sign up, and it's free to sign up at am1280thepatriot.com. The views expressed on the following program do not necessarily represent those of this station or its management. Stand by for the Northern Alliance Radio Network. And go launch sequence. Engineering. Go flight. Master control. Go flight. Studio engineer. Go flight. We are go for launch in T-3, 2, 1. We have liftoff. The Northern Alliance Radio Network is on the air. Live and local from the AM 1280 The Patriot Studios in Egan, here is the closer, Brad Carlson. AM 1280 The Patriot. It is the Northern Alliance Radio Network. Back with another edition of the broadcast we'd like to call The Closer. That's me, Brad Carlson. Thanks, as always, for tuning into our show. You can check out my blog at bradcarlson.org. And we are here to take your phone calls at 651-289-4488. If you'd like to weigh in via Twitter, feel free to do so. Just use hashtag NarnShow. That's hashtag N-A-R-N Show. Hashtag NarnShow for any comments or questions. And as always, we appreciate you tuning in this uh, first weekend in May. But not May Day, uh, for those of you who uh, celebrate May Day. And if, uh, for those of you who do celebrate May Day, uh, you probably don't listen to this show as a fan. I'll just <laughs> put it that way. Uh, but we uh, hope you are having a, a great weekend, uh, first uh, weekend in May, that is. 
I uh, do want to, uh, I'm going to take the first hour, probably talk about uh, some local news, uh, specifically uh, things going on within the Minnesota legislature, which is uh, a couple of weeks from wrapping up. Uh, so we'll certainly talk about that uh, and, uh, with our uh, guest, uh, Minnesota State Senator Michelle Benson, who I understand is en route down to the Patriot Bunker as we speak. So we will wait for Senator Benson to uh, get in here. But do I have a, one quick programming note before I move on to that. Uh, I do want to emphasize that we are broadcasting live once again from the Facebook Live at the Northern Alliance Radio Network Facebook page. So uh, I'm assuming if you're listening to this broadcast live, uh, you're already following us on Facebook. Again, Facebook.com, do a search for the Northern Alliance Radio Network, and you can hop right on. And again, we can, and you can watch a show. And it's great from a standpoint of interacting with listeners because you have an opp- opportunity to interact on the video. So if you have any comments or questions, uh, from that standpoint, you're certainly welcome, and it's a great way to uh, to engage that way. So, uh, but I do want to uh, obviously take the first hour, uh, get some uh, get some local talk uh, in the first hour, and then in the second hour, we are going to be joined uh, by Danielle Butcher. She's the executive vice president of the American uh, Conservation uh, Coalition, which is an organization, a conservative organization that is uh, active in. Uh, the conservative engagement, I should say, in climate change. So we'll definitely look forward to talking to Danielle. That, again, is the second hour. Make all the noise you want, Michelle. It's all it's all good. We got this microphone all set up for you and everything. It's a full-service operation. Uh, we are honored at this time to be joined by uh, Minnesota State Senator Michelle Benson, again, Republican out of uh, Ham Lake area, which is uh, uh, Senate District uh, 31. Uh, Senator Benson, good to have you in the broadcast, as always. I am See glad ya. to be here. I'm sorry for being tardy. I stopped at the office to pick up information. I thought... Might be helpful. Oh, I was going to say the session ends, uh, what, a couple weeks, uh, midnight couple weeks. on uh, Sunday, 17th. Mason? Yeah. yeah. So it's uh, coming up quick, and uh, we've got a budget agreement hammered out, so we've got time to spare. Is that Sure. Not no, so much? We can just look at you know, vault health contracts <laughs> for testing and vaccination. Yeah. Well, I, I think we'll have uh, HHS wrapped up Monday by 8, <laughs> Well, bouncing <laughs> off of that, it seems like, and this is, I'm sure this is a lament you hear from a lot of the constituents. It always seems like it comes down to the last week, and it ends up being the Senate Majority Leader getting together with the House Speaker, and they meet with the governor, hammer out an agreement, and it's like, here, respective caucuses, vote for this, trust us, it's all good, we hammered it out. Uh, that seems that that's happened the last several budget years. The one notable exception, I think, was 2013 when the DFL had all control. Yes. But yet it still was a, it still seemed like an ordeal back then. Uh, uh, it has to be very frustrating, Michelle Benson, to always come down and just leave it to a few people just kind of hammering it out that way. It is frustrating. And even when I was on the negotiating team, you get to the point where there are just decisions that can only be made with a small almost non-political group. Like, how do you decide what you're going to trade a tax increase for? What are you going to give and what are you going to get? And the intensity of caucuses waging in, you know, you filter out a lot of the stuff that we can agree on broadly or that small political fights. But when it comes to the bigger political fights, like emergency powers, tax increases, police reform, Mm -hmm. there's just going to have to be a decision at the end that says, you know what, these things are on or off the table and you're going to have to live with it. Otherwise, we're never going to get out of here. And that's, I think sometimes we move into that cloture 
um, much earlier than we need to and about issues that don't need to be decided at the small table. But there comes a point when the leaders have to be able to go back to their caucuses and say, we took it off the table. It cannot be settled. There's an impasse. We're done. And okay. and so I think that happens best at the end and only on those really intense touch points. Um, I don't like the political trade bait that ends up being in budget deals, but it's moved from just those three back to chairs negotiating provisions and not everything being in the public. And that's going to be hard to do this year. Uh, My counterpart, Tina Liebling, wants to do everything virtually. I'd like things hybrid. So if people want to be in the rooms, uh, everybody knows the difference it makes when you can make eye contact with somebody or somebody can just shake their head and say, no, this is a bad idea. Right. Or if you're passing in the hallway, even if you're distanced, to say, my amendment's done. I don't need a 15-minute phone call to talk to you about why my amendment's done. Um, so I, it's going to be tough to close a deal without having some com- behind closed doors as long as we're not even proximate to each other. Now, I guess the one positive aspect that's come out, obviously, this past year plus of, a, of being in a global pandemic, and at times the fiscal outlook hasn't looked as rosy, but it has certainly improved or at least looked better than initially anticipated. So with that in mind, why are we still even talking about tax increases at this point? It's, it's, I mean, there is just no appetite for what I could see unless, unless it's just the far-left progressives on Michelle Benson. And the House DFL tax bill barely got off the floor. Yeah. And so I don't know why tax increases are even on the table. But um, there are some people who aren't going to give that up until they've put up <laughs> right. a sufficient fight. Um, the federal money that's flooded in created a lot of surplus and created a lot of economic activity. Mm -hmm. I don't know how much you shop, but I've started to notice groceries are getting more expensive than Mm -hmm. they used to be. Things that used to be under a dollar when they were on sale are now just under a dollar and 50 cents. So I'm starting to see that real world inflation. I know Warren Buffett talks about inflation. I think he maybe doesn't walk through the grocery store. uh, You think? Buy cans of Campbell's soup. (laughs) Um, But... I'm starting to see it, and I think excess federal money is is creating some inflation. But that remains to be seen, but we need to be attentive to it. it talking about history, our last global pandemic that we really remember, there were small influenza pandemics, but the Spanish flu, mm-hmm. as we came out of the Spanish flu, we got the Roaring Twenties. So I think everybody's going to be really excited about the Roaring Twenties. And then what followed the Roaring Twenties mm-hmm. was the Great Depression. Right. But now we're flooding federal money in early. So does that make the Roaring Twenties even more roaring? Mm-hmm. What does that do right. as we as we go through economic cycles? Because the feds have used up all their juice. If we go into an economic downturn in a few years, how much more debt can we actually take on? So there's some of those. I know that's way outside the realm of the legislative work you wanted to talk about today, but I think we need to start being attentive. I don't know how we communicate to the average citizen that you need to be looking five, ten years down the road and not just be excited that you got a check. Yeah, I hear that phrase often uh, whenever we, uh, you know, they, particularly at the federal level, uh, you know, the the continuing uh, resolutions, you know, I hear the phrase often, kick the can down the road, and that sounds 
exactly like uh, a lot of what we're doing here. Um, I want to bounce off something real quick that you mentioned here at the outset, particularly uh, when you're, uh, again, another challenge of this pandemic, uh, you know, in the middle of uh, last year's session, and obviously for this the session in its entirety, has been the remote meetings, the committee meetings. I mean, people are used to going down there and sitting in on committee meetings and having that transparency. And I know you've you've brought this up before us, Senator Benson. That has been a big challenge with a lot of these uh, Zoom meetings in that people are not as comfortable that they're getting the transparency that they might otherwise expect uh, going to in-person committee meetings. And the the public doesn't have my cell phone number. Mm. Mm-hmm. And there are some lobbyists. Do you want me to give it out over the air? I've got it. No, no, I'm, kidding, I'm, kidding, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Brad, I gave you that number in, in good faith. <laughs> I kid. I kid. Yes. <laughs> um, but as we're having a meeting, if an amendment comes up, a lobbyist will see it and they'll say, you know, page one, line 12, this phrase is problematic. And then I can hand that off to somebody and we can start figuring out why that phrase is problematic. But if you're the average citizen, how do you get in on a Zoom call to say this amendment has a problem in it right. that we need to solve? And so that that has been a challenge. Moving slowly helps and gives people time to have language in public. And for my part in my committee, I tried to publish all my amendments early, send, it, send amendments out on the listserv, not just have them on the website, but say these are the amendments we plan to offer tomorrow. Not so much a formalization of the 24 hours notice that the House has for amendments, but for my own transparency. And I knew when the list went out because I'd start getting emails and phone calls. Um, but that way, the people who do watch the Capitol knew what was coming and could try to take action or make adjustments and suggestions beforehand. Once again, we are joined by Minnesota State Senator Michelle Benson, uh, Republican State Senator of the Ham Lake area, specifically Senate District 31. If you have any comments or questions, yeah, we're going to get into some of the more meatier topics here. 651-289-4488 is the number to call. You can also weigh in via Twitter, hashtag NarnShow. That's hashtag N-A-R-N Show. Just getting warmed up here with our guest appearance with Senator Benson. We'll be back in mere moments on the Northern Alliance Radio Network. Go nowhere. sound effect. Uh, we were going to write a flashy promo about streaming us at radio.com, but considering how easy it is to do, we'll keep it simple, too. Listen to The Patriot on the free radio.com app. Tell me why Relief Factor is so successful in lowering or eliminating pain. I'm often asked that question. Pete and Seth Talbot, the father and son founders of Relief Factor, tell me they believe our bodies were designed to heal. That's right, designed to heal, and now I agree. The doctors who formulated Relief Factor for Pete and Seth selected the four best ingredients, 100% drug-free ingredients that each help your body deal with inflammation. That's correct. Each of the four ingredients deal with inflammation on a different metabolic pathway. 
That right there. Approaching your pain from four different angles may very well be why so many Americans find such wonderful pain relief. If you have back pain, shoulder, neck, hip, knee, or foot pain from exercise or even just getting older, you must order the three-week quick start now. Discount it to only $19.95 to see if it will work for you too. I think it could. Give your body what it needs to heal itself. Go to relieffactor.com. Call 800-500-8384. relieffactor.com. If you're a radio listener, one thing I'm certain of is that you're not tuning in to listen to me. So I'm sorry about the next 45 seconds. But we have specifically chose this station because we think we're similar and we'd love for you to see why our mortgage team might be a good fit for you or someone you care about. One, we've got a direct lender advantage. Our mortgage team is an arm of a bigger company who is a direct lender. There's no middleman, which means our company gets to use its own money and make its own decisions within its own walls. An advantage that often allows us to get you a better rate, saving you monthly and lifelong money. Two, our faith is a big deal to us, and we're open about that. If we seem like a fit for you, we'd love to talk. We are United Faith Mortgage. UnitedFaithMortgage.com. Nice. United Faith Mortgage is a DBA of United Mortgage Corp. 25 Melville Park Road, Melville, New York. Licensed mortgage banker. For all licensing information, go to AnimalistConsumerAccess.org. Corporate Animalist Number 1330. Ryan Rack, Animalist Number 65233. Equal housing lender. I license in Alaska, Hawaii, Georgia, Massachusetts, North Dakota, South Dakota, or Utah. era of fake news and misleading headlines turn to a leader in accurate reporting townhall.com get caught up with today's top stories find brilliant commentary from our columnists and have a laugh with our political cartoons at townhall.com hey welcome back AM 1280, The Patriot, Northern Alliance Radio Network. Back with another segment on the broadcast. Joined in studio by Minnesota State Senator Michelle Benson, Republican out of Ham Lake. And again, we are here to take your phone call, 651-289-4488. If you'd like to weigh in via Twitter at hashtag NarnShow, hashtag N-A-R-N Show. And then also doing a live stream here on our Facebook page, the Northern Alliance Radio Network Facebook page. So if you want to leave a comment... On the comment thread, you are certainly more than welcome to do that. Uh, Senator Benson, you and a lot of your uh, colleagues uh, this past week, uh, quite a bombshell that was uh, unveiled by the organization Let Them Play, an organization that was uh, uh, dismayed by the governor's decision or his administration's decision to put a pause on high school sports, prep sports. And there were some emails unveiled that seemed to allege, insinuate that the best way to gain favor for putting a pause in youth sports, which is very unpopular, was to tie it to the uh, atrocities that took place in the long-term care facilities. Minnesota certainly was not immune from that discussion where the majority of their uh, COVID deaths occurred in long-term care facilities. Uh, why don't you kind of expound on that a little bit? It was sure. quite shocking, to say sure. the least. Well, you you kind of bring the, the thread back to let them play 
did a data practices request. A lot of people are familiar with FOIA, Freedom of Information. In Minnesota, it's a data practices request. And they received emails and communications about youth sports. One in particular piqued my interest. November 5th, so the Thursday after the election, Mm -hmm. an email that said the election, particularly the loss of six DFL seats in the House, was in part a referendum on our guidance and youth and sports was a part of that. And that they're thinking politically, this is on an official MDH email, that they're thinking politically is problematic for me. I try to be a fact-based decision maker. When things started getting bad in October into November, I understood we were gonna have trouble with staffing in our hospitals. And so try to be a fact-based decision maker. So if MDH has people who are being political, that filters the information I'm going to get. That makes it really hard for me to not. Up until this point, when they gave me data, I said, okay, that's what the real data is. Now I'm wondering how much of it's being filtered politically. Then there was another email in that list, Wednesday, November 18th. People are pushing back on youth sports and whether or not they really need to be ended. Mm. Here's the quote. We need to more explicitly tie youth sports to long-term care. And then it moves forward. Um, People are going to youth sports and then going to jobs in long-term care the next day. The spread and deaths in long-term care can be traced back to youth sports. Can be, or were they actually? That's This is a political, Mm -hmm. I won't say activist, but political messaging expert saying that Youth sports is being tied to deaths in long-term care. So I need to trust the raw data from MDH. I don't need to trust their messaging, but there's somebody inside MDH that's attentive to the fact that youth sports probably hurt them in the election. And then there's somebody messaging from outside guiding MDH saying, if we tie youth sports to long-term care, that'll take the pressure off of off of the youth sports, the negativity on youth sports. Right. That's not the way decisions are supposed to be made. It's supposed to be get the data, make the decision, then communicate, not message decision data. Because it, I and I bring this up because it, it often seemed like when a lot of these mandates were handed down or even when restrictions were being loosened, there were questions that were being asked, and it seemed the explanations were convoluted. One, one in particular that I remember vividly, this was, I think— uh, about 10 months ago when the governor was starting to give guidance on uh, churches where, and I seem to remember something along the lines, churches could only have like 10 people or less outdoors, but yet bars and restaurants could have like up to 50 people. And it it just didn't seem to make a lot of sense. It was convoluted logic. And, And along these same lines, I would think something like this would get some pushback. That just sounds like, okay, in theory that you could see that potentially happening where, you know, adults would go see their kids play their sports and then they'd go visit their parents or grandparents in long-term care facilities and, oh, look at this, a rash of infections in these long-term care facilities. Was there ever any pushback on this messaging when it came out that I, you could recall? I know there was from my colleagues and from sure. myself. This doesn't make sense. But that so, was dismissed as partisan haggling, I'm sure. Well, and they don't have to, they don't have to listen <laughs> right, right. to people like let them play. They don't even have to listen to me. The governor has emergency powers and he has federal money. He, they don't have to come to me to get the money to do the testing. 
because they have federal dollars that just pass through and they get to use as they wish. Um, so I had no way to say, you know what, you need to give me better information. Um, my contention was we had kids out of school, and I know teenagers were getting together with their friends while their mm, parents yes. were working. So how come having kids out of school and having them hang out at each other's house wasn't the cause of the spread, but we're targeting youth sports? I mean, you could have had youth sports and said, no spectators, parents drop off, kids play. It reduces the likelihood of transmission. There, there were other ways to mitigate if that's what you were really worried about. But you know what you need to do if you're an epidemiologist and you want to prove this? You need to start with a death or infection in long-term care. Sure. And then contact trace back. Sure. We have more than 500 people hired with federal dollars through Rose International to do contact tracing. And nobody has shown me death or infection in long-term care, and then we follow it back. They always stop at, it's just community spread, and they never identified it. So what they claim they want, they're not doing the work to prove it. There's no data to support the contention that's in these emails. So if they show me the data, mm -hmm. then we'll have a different conversation. But you don't get to message and on something this serious without data. Yeah, no question. Uh, along those lines, has there been any official response from the uh, Minnesota Department of Health, the Walls Administration? Uh, because this is, a, this is a very damning allegation, Michelle Benson. Yes, and we did get a letter. It was to Roger Chamberlain because he's actually the one that held the hearing. And they they have this general conversation about community spread and that youth sports were part of community spread. That might be the case, but they didn't they didn't target a lot of things. They looked at bars and restaurants, they looked at youth sports, but they shut down youth sports. They didn't say we need to get the kids back in school and put them in pods so they quit hanging out at each other's house right. for eight hours a day. They didn't do any of that. And so this letter is again very general. They do answer some of the specific questions. There's Still no clarification on the question as to who is the decision maker. Um, in consulting, they call it the single ringable neck, the person who made the decision. <laughs> right. So what MDH did was put out guidance. You could have a 14-day quarantine, a 10-day, go back on the 11th-day quarantine with this testing requirement, or a 7-day quarantine, go back on the 8th day with this testing requirement. But no youth sports league or school is comfortable going less than 14 days because of liability issues, infection risk. And so until MDH says, you know what, if you are following these protocols, you can have a seven-day quarantine. So they're all doing 14 days, and these kids are looking at a tournament. So they, they maybe don't feel great. Mm -hmm. And maybe they've got the sniffles, and it's the Thursday night before Friday, Saturday, sure. Sunday tournament, and they decide to play anyway. And Sunday night... They have a fever, and so Monday they go get tested. Are they really going to tell their team that they tested positive? Right, right. And I'm not encouraging this, of but that means the whole team quarantines, plus the other teams they played with, for 14 days. And all, I mean, teenagers are teenagers. Sports are really important to them. Swimming's really important to them. Debate is really important. 
what we're actually doing is undermining our public health response by going to these targeted extremes. Uh, along those lines, uh, Governor Walls uh, has hinted, I think, uh, as recently as last week, that there likely would be some uh, more restrictions that are loosened up. Any indication what those might be, Senator Benson? No, but I think as we see other states moving ahead, mm-hmm. um, there is information coming out of those states. And just the way the virus behaves, this virus is behaving like viruses behave. Mm-hmm. There are peaks and there are valleys. The waves get modulated as more people are resistant to the virus, either through vaccination or infection. And so we're going to see fewer fewer peaks, lower. Actually, we're going to see lower peaks, not necessarily fewer peaks. It makes sense to open some things up. People are stressed and exhausted. Our economy can only take so much of this sugar high that the feds have put in. We need to get back to being productive. And for our own mental health, um, addiction, mental health, uh, behavioral issues, crime, (laughs) because kids Mm -hmm. haven't been in school and don't think they need to be. So we need to start getting back to, I don't want to say a new normal, but we need to be moving ahead and let people live their lives. It's it's time. So I can't say what it's going to be, but there will be things. Yeah, there was, a, I, I'm, I didn't see, I didn't see the video of its entirety, but apparently a pact of Midwestern uh, governors, governors from the states of uh, Michigan, Indiana, I think Wisconsin, Governor Walls was prominently featured uh, too about um, encouraging people to get, in, get out and uh, and get vaccinated. Um, any raw numbers? Uh, we got about a minute or so in this uh, segment, uh, Michelle Benson. Any raw numbers uh, from the state of Minnesota, how the uh, vaccination campaign is progressing? I think we're at like 63% of those who are eligible, which is a good number. Mm-hmm. My concern is when we start talking about specific numbers, like Fauci and the CDC said we need 80% vaccinated to get to herd immunity. And that made me really nervous because okay. As people glom onto the 80%, right. the people who are, I call them the Fauci faithful, mm-hmm. are they going to say, we're not safe until 80% of the population is vaccinated? Mm-hmm. And that's not healthy. We can't stay locked down till we get to 80%. So vaccines work. You have a measles vaccine. You have a polio vaccine. This is new. I understand people have concerns. I respect that. But- as we get more normalized in this virus, COVID, um, SARS-CoV-2 vaccines are going to become common, like mm. the flu vaccine, and we'll get more normalized. And so I, that's how we're going to get this under control. Once again, we're in, joined in studio by Minnesota State Senator Michelle Benson. She Republican out of Ham Lake, specifically Senate District 31. Uh, Vincent is on line one. Vincent, if you are, is if there's any way you can hold during the break, I promise I will take your call when we come back this next segment. And if anyone else would like to call in, 651-289-4488, or you can weigh in via Twitter at hashtag NarnShow, hashtag N-A-R-N Show. Brad Carlson, The Closer, coming back with another segment on the broadcast. Go nowhere. Hi, break time? I know you. I'm Cologuard, a prescription colon cancer screening option for people 45 plus at average risk. It seems like you take care of yourself. I do. I play tennis. I try to eat well. What about screening for colon cancer? Not yet. Don't wait. Colon cancer is more treatable when it's caught in early stages. Tell me more. 
Cologuard is non-invasive and is used at home. It detects altered DNA in your stool to find 92% of colon cancers. 92%? Yep, even those in early stages. This was seen in a clinical study with patients 50 and older. Any positive result should be followed by a diagnostic colonoscopy. False positive and negative results may occur. Cologuard is not a replacement for colonoscopy in high-risk patients. Do not use if you have had adenomas, have inflammatory bowel disease and certain hereditary syndromes, or a personal or family history of colon cancer. Most insured patients pay $0. Ask your provider or an online prescriber if Cologuard is right for you. Or visit requestcologuard.com. I'm on it. Excellent. Join Gene Sullivan each week on Where You Live, where he takes on... Uh, Gene, who do you take on anyway? Maniacal landlords, slippery renters, overbearing HOA boards, demanding homeowners. Oh, and the legislative lunacy brought on by local politicians wanting to fix everything for us. It's a common sense perspective on the news and stories that affect you the most right where you live. Join Gene Sullivan every Saturday morning at 10 a.m. on AM 1280, The Patriot. You and your business are online today more than ever. Most people are working from home and meeting via Internet, and that means IT structures are overtaxed and Wi-Fi is humming. An outage in one of your critical systems now could be a fatal blow to your operation. Arby's Computer Service is ready and able to help. Their staff is standing by and prepared to offer assistance. If your business IT system experiences a failure, give Arby's a call. Their professional team of certified computer and networking specialists is experienced in diagnosing and solving a wide range of issues. With Arby's Computer Service on the job, you'll never have to worry about dealing with IT-related issues on your own, whether it's for your personal system or business. Arby's Computer Service knows that Internet traffic is surging, and they're available now to help. You'll always get competitive pricing, trustworthy advice, and excellent customer service from Randy and his team at Arby's Computer Service. Giving your computer problems the boots, Arby's Computer Service. Need special boots for a new job but don't know where to start? Step into Red Wing Shoes, where their friendly footwear experts can help you find the right style and size. Red Wing takes the time to learn about your job and measure your feet to get the perfect fit. Red Wing specializes in no-pressure one-on-one service. Stop into their stores in Circle Pines, Columbia Heights, Coon Rapids, Bloomington, and St. Cloud. Can't make it into the store? Ask your workplace about their shoe trucks where they bring the store to you. Red Wing Shoes. Work is our work. Hey, welcome back. AM 1280 Patriot. Northern Alliance Radio Network. Me, Brad Carlson, back with another segment with our in-studio guest, Minnesota State Senator Michelle Benson. One of our listeners, uh, Senator Benson, is lamenting in the comment section that they can't see you. She it's is okay. here. I'm I here. promise you she's here. <laughs> I'm not, you know, that is a pretty good trick if I could pre-record her interview and just intersperse my comments with hers. But she is here live in studio. And we so. can know the questions. And, and I have to say, <laughs> Brad and I have been friends for a long time. And so being face-to-face, even with plexiglass between us, is, is really nice. Yeah, well, we appreciate you coming all the way down to, from Ham Lake. Uh, again, Senate District 31. And uh, Claire, the youngster, I'm waving to her out there. She's uh, more occupied with reading and Cheez-Its, I guess. So yeah. she's good to go out there. So is Vincent still on the phone? Okay. Uh, Vincent from St. Paul is on line one. Vincent, you are on with Minnesota State Senator Michelle Benson. Well, thank you all for what you're doing. And, Senator, good luck here in the next few weeks. Sir. Um, Maybe you're welcome. Something stepped away. national that could affect Minnesota talking about changing the voting 
the whole country in Washington, D.C. Also, the police are after what happened in Minneapolis and other states. Um, they want to start changing things. It sounds like they want a one-size-fits-all police department. Like the- I can't hear Vincent if he's talking. Oh, can, Senator Benson is not able to hear the call. I'm sorry, Vincent. Uh, Senator Benson wasn't able to hear you. Uh, can you hear me now? Can, can you got the uh, controls on the uh, headphones there? I see controls. You can hear me, but how can you not hear the call? I can't hear the call. Okay. Vincent, can you hear me now? I'm sorry, Vincent. We'll have to let you go. Senator Benson's not able to uh, hear your call. I apologize for that. Uh, I guess Vincent was asking about uh, law enforcement bills, specifically uh, uh, police, uh, legislation having to do with uh, police. Obviously, that's been a salient issue, particularly here in the Twin Cities with uh, everything that's been going on. Uh, is there anything at the state level that you're specifically addressing regarding law enforcement? There is a package that uh, the House passed, and it takes some very, I think, extreme steps. I believe there's work that can be done. Um, our police need to be supported and accountable, but we cannot ab- abandon them. We cannot set them aside, and we cannot undermine the importance of the work they do to keep people safe. The people who are saying, um, you know, defund the police, some some have stepped back from that. Um, Ilhan Omar evidently still is saying, you know, we need different policing. I think we need police to be trusted in their community and we need to support them. Um, They go through a lot of mental stress in their jobs, um, but they also need to have accountability. Sure. And I think cities of the first order are different than your county sheriff. If you're in a a county of 9,000 people, you're going to have a different experience as law enforcement than somebody in cities of the first order. So some of the things that aren't on our caucus list but would be on my list are police officers in city of the first order getting regular counseling. Are they being rotated out of neighborhoods where there is extra high stress or where maybe they've had regular confrontations with the same people and are just losing their patience? Um, that's not to excuse any um, bad behavior by police officers, but right. we have to do both: account, uh, hold them accountable, and be supportive. And another issue that uh, Vincent broached was uh, having to do with uh, uh, election laws. I know Georgia, Texas, and Florida have all implemented uh, specific election laws in their respective states. Uh, obviously, uh, I think we would agree states are left to their own devices as opposed to something like HR one, which is being exactly. proposed at the federal level. And I, I think he was asking specifically: Is there anything going on? here in this latest legislative session in Minnesota with uh, voter integrity. Um, Senator Mary Kiffmeyer is a champion, former Secretary of State. She has provisional ballots um, being carried across the floor. And Senator Scott Newman has the photo ID requirement for voting. I'm I'm more of a fan of provisional ballots uh, than necessarily having an ID just because it applies regardless of what identification you pose. And it holds those ballots to the same integrity standard as someone who registers before the day of the election. So when you register um, before election day, you have to show your address, you have to present some um, evidence that you belong in that precinct and you have a right to vote. They can check it against databases to see if you're a felon or if the court in some other way disallowed you, for example, mental incapacity. They can do an administrative clearing. Okay. They do that for everybody who's registered. 
But if you walk in with just an ID and get to cast a ballot, they can't do that administrative clearing. So provisional ballots puts people who pre-registered on the same footing. The ballots cast with pre-registered people on the same footing as the provisional ballots. So that's my preference. But uh, if Mary Kiffmeyer and Scott Newman can agree on something, I will vote for it. Now, is this, does, does this have any bipartisan support? Do we know? No. No? Okay. I, I think there are probably some greater <laughs> Minnesota Democrats who would be more supportive. Sure. But politics has gotten so tribal that it I has, don't think yeah. they dare risk it. So uh, along those ends, uh, we talked about um, that the, the House, is while still in uh, DFL control, obviously there was a net gain of six seats for the Republicans in this last election. So they don't have a sig- as significant a majority as they did, say, the, la- uh, the past couple of sessions. So uh, with that with that in mind, uh, it, there doesn't seem to some of the uh, House members who voted against allowing Governor Walls to continue his emergency powers. Now, all of a sudden, when it's a smaller majority, these these same people seem to kind of uh, flip on the issue. It was almost like they were given permission by their uh, caucus yep. leader to yep. uh, to vote no. And uh, yeah, we're going to let you off so you can get reelected. And, yeah, yeah. Yep. But then hate to be cynical, Michelle Benson, but uh, it's kind of what I'm seeing. Sometimes <laughs> it's just accurate <laughs> observations. It's not out of cynicism. But so uh, so with that in mind, has there um, you know as we're trying to craft a budget again, a couple weeks remaining in the session, uh, is there anything that can be pointed to uh, that could be shown as as having bipartisan support, or as you alluded to, are we just kind of kind of running back to our own tribes here. I think there are going to be a lot of things that have bipartisan support in, for example, the health and human services area, support for moms and babies Mm, um, so that so that moms who are struggling, don't have a good supportive family can have healthy deliveries. And we have had um, nurses who visit moms and support moms. We found that for the most at risk moms, if you get them a nurse walking this path with them, um, by age of three, they're 80% less likely to be on a public program okay. by the time their child's age three. And so if it works and we can move it forward, let's take those good ideas. Um, I hope there's some medical cannabis reform. That's very bipartisan. We're not going to legalize marijuana, um, but we can do cannabis reform so that those people who are helped if you have a seizure disorder or MS, if you are helped by medical cannabis, it can be more affordable. Uh, so those are those are a couple of things, particularly in the health and human services area. Right. I think we can see some change. Yeah, speaking of new moms, I, I know I bring this up with you often, Michelle. I still remember vividly 10 years ago at a, some sort of Senate press conference, you holding a newborn yes. uh, while giving a statement. I don't remember specifically what it was, but I'm like, she really can do it all. That's impressive, uh, Michelle Benson. I, I, I think uh, <laughs> I come from a, a long line of women who just worked really hard on whatever was in yeah. front of them. And when you can have your kids with you and get done what needs to be done, uh, you can you can get a lot accomplished. Yeah, it was, a, it was impressive, very much so. Well, we do have another phone call uh, for Senator Benson. Line one, Mark in St. Louis Park. Mark, always good to hear from you, sir. You are on the Northern Alliance Radio Network. Uh, thanks again for a great show. I hope Michelle can hear me. If you can't, hope maybe Rad, you could ask her. Um, I just switched question. headphone jacks so I can hear you now. Oh, okay. We oh, saw great, problem solved. <laughs> super, super. So I have a quick question. Uh, I think about a year ago, maybe uh, a little over a year, 
I think it was James Nobles, who the, the uh, independent auditor, legislative auditor, I believe he made a statement that it was the Department of Human Services or the HHS part of it that was unauditable. It was such in bad shape that uh, it couldn't even be audited. Has there been anything to, uh, to uh, take care of that situation or any legislative actions for the, to take care of that as far as auditing that department? And I'll hang up and listen. Thanks, Mark. Um, yes. So the Department of Human Services, and this was actually in 2019. So I, I know COVID has compressed all of our timelines, mm-hmm. uh, was in, I called it turmoil. Uh, my commissioner, Commissioner Hart, kind of would, yes. would disagree. <laughs> um, but the Office of Inspector General was not doing its work. Um, their internal auditors weren't doing their work. And there were entire departments where the record keeping was out of line and couldn't be audited the way Mr. Nobles wanted to audit. He also had to issue subpoenas to get some of the information. Um, I will tell you, there has been Six Sigma. I know uh, business folks might be familiar with it. We have some Six Sigma uh, consultants internal in the department who are going through system by system and saying, this is what you're supposed to do. This is the money you're supposed to spend. Here's how you are going to be held accountable. And we've started to see some change. And just the decision by Commissioner Harpstead to say you can't use this particular contracting procedure because it causes trouble. Uh, We have seen improvement. The legislative auditor is not going anywhere. There are auditors permanently within the Department of Human Services from the Office of Legislative, the legislative auditor. But we are adding a little bit of work for the legislative auditor in Mary Kiffmeyer's bill. All this federal money that's being spent um, on things like no bid contracts to vault medical. We're going to ask the legislative auditor to go beyond the audit that the feds will require, but to actually report to the legislature uh, what happened. So we'll have a more comprehensive review. Because as a part-time legislator, as much as I read and as much as I try to keep on top of things, there's nothing like having a small army of auditors go through and then bring it to you in a in a package. It will be a, a very big report, I'm sure. No question. Well, uh, I'm definitely getting to a lot of uh, different topics, myriad topics here with our visit with Minnesota State Senator Michelle Benson. Uh, uh, Michelle, we need to take uh, one final break. Are you able to hold for one final segment? I can Let's... stay. Fantastic. Uh, we'll be back with one final segment with Senator Benson. And if you have a question or comment, 651-289-4488. You could also weigh in via Twitter at hashtag NarnShow, hashtag N-A-R-N Show. Brad Carlson, the closer, back with one final segment this hour with Senator Benson. Go nowhere. AM twelve eighty, the Patriot. Look at all these options. You can fill an entire warehouse with all the different ways you can stream The Patriot. Top shelf choices include am1280thepatriot.com, our free app, and radio.com. Has your water heater decided to create one of Minnesota's 10,000 lakes in your basement? Have a burst pipe? Dripping faucet? Is your water not soft anymore? 
Champion Plumbing is a call away. Champion will be there fast in your time of need. They service the entire metro area and they're taking all the necessary precautions to keep you and your household safe. A champion is someone who goes the extra mile to get the job done. And that's Champion Plumbing. Online at championplumbing.net. When you call, make sure you tell them the Patriots sent you. I should have done it sooner. That's a comment heard often from satisfied patients at INeedMoreHair.com. Dennis Prager here. If you've been exploring solutions for your hair loss, go to INeedMoreHair.com and see what they're doing for men and women like you. The consultations are free and the results are amazing. You'll be under the care of some of the most experienced hair transplant specialists in the country. Their doctors have given patients from around the world, including notable Hollywood personnel a full head of hair. They can do the same for you. Their technique is so advanced that their results are guaranteed in writing and their prices are the best in the business. If you have hair loss, don't put this off another day. Contact INeedMoreHair.com at their office in Egan for your free consultation. Experience you can trust, prices you can afford. Today is the day to get a permanent solution to your hair loss at INeedMoreHair.com. With the extreme weather changes in Minnesota, it can be very unpleasant when the windows in your house begin to fail. But what's even more unpleasant is the three long-winded, high-pressure sales calls you need to sit through to get multiple bids. They tell you their window is the best and all the rest are no good, and hey, I'll throw in a free window if we can write this up tonight. I'm Ryan from My Three Quotes. What if I told you you could get competitive bids from three high-rated local contractors on any window brand after only one short meeting with me? The process is simple. I'll stop by to measure the windows and we'll talk options. Whether it's vinyl, wood, composite, or fiberglass, we'll come up with a job scope that fits your house and your style. And you'll receive the quotes within a week. If you've already had some window bids and were floored by the price, call me. As you'll see from my reviews, my quotes can come in thousands less than others for the exact same window. If you decide to move forward, I'll come back to write up the order and do a walkthrough when it's done. And yes, the service is free. So hop online and visit My 3 Quotes to set up an appointment. That's the number three, My 3 Quotes. You listen every day. I never miss it. So now it's time for you to join the conversation. Who, me? Like AM 1280 The Patriot on Facebook and share your thoughts with like-minded conservatives. You can also enter to win prizes, learn about upcoming events, and more. Welcome back, AM twelve eighty, the Patriot. Northern Alliance Radio Network. One final segment this hour. Minnesota State Senator Michelle Benson, Republican out of Ham Lake. A lot of things uh, to get to this hour, and we uh, definitely did get to a lot of topics. But uh, Senator Benson, you uh, alluded to briefly the last segment, and I want to come back to that. Uh, Vault Medical, the organization who basically received a no-bid contract to do universal uh, COVID testing uh, during the pandemic. Uh, that has been a, something that you've broached in the past, uh, not the least of which, why why no-bid contract? Uh, what have you found out about that? And, oh, by the way, bouncing off that a little bit, it, um, what position does Dan Fian have with Vault Medical? Those of you who might know Congressman Jim Hagedorn, his opponent, his last two election victories was Dan Fian. I believe... Uh, former candidate Feehan, former DFL candidate Feehan, is one of their C-suite uh, people managing uh, vaccine testing rollout. So they're getting hundreds of millions of dollars in no-bid contracts. So my questions, 
We live in the center of the medical device and medical development universe. True. Why did we go to a New Jersey company whose previous expertise had been men's erectile dysfunction? Why did we go to them? And I don't know them? if I want to answer that. Okay, but, uh... $27 million to build a lab in Oakdale. <laughs> yeah. You're telling me we couldn't find two or three Minnesota companies and say, you know, we need you to form a legal entity that can run these labs because the state can't keep hiring people to do this testing and we need to do testing. So we couldn't find a Minnesota company. Oh, and by the way, the Mayo Clinic, when this pandemic started blooming, mm-hmm. told the state of Minnesota you can have our our lab. We're going to keep doing testing to keep our people safe, but any capacity. And they started buying machines, really expensive machines, and bringing them in to make sure that the state of Minnesota had robust capacity. They were charging, I believe it was $70 for the test that Vault Health is charging $120 for. Wow. And this last round of teacher testing Mayo wasn't even given the opportunity to bid. Wow. Vault got it just passed through. Um, But not only did they get a testing contract, they got a vaccination contract. Okay. Also no bid. Mm. They're also getting paid more than any other provider in the that I can find in the state of Minnesota. So we've got some work to do on the Vault Medical and Infinity Biologic relationship. There is more to come on this, but How does somebody from New Jersey get picked? And why not a Minnesota company? Why couldn't Mayo be part of the solution? Why couldn't we put out bids to other providers so that we didn't have a single point of failure? I mean, basic business 101, don't put all your eggs in one basket. And we've got them all in the vault basket right now. And once again, when this uh, line of inquiry was uh, was brought forth, have you got any official response uh, from Um, the state? It takes them forever. Yeah. I asked for invoices because I'd like to see what we're paying for each encounter. It took two weeks to get that. I asked for the contracts that we were working. They're doing work and not getting paid, but they're accumulating invoices. You do you do finance work. Mm-hmm. There's no contract. They're doing work, expecting to get paid. What are they going to get paid mm-hmm. when there's not a contract in place? So it took months for me to get even a contract addendum. Um, Nobody else would get away with this. But eventually the press is going to get interested. The Star Tribune had an article. But these are the questions we're going to keep asking because even though it's federal money, it's still your tax dollars. Oh, no question. And nobody should be getting rich off of this pandemic. It should be, you know, you get paid what you need to get paid to do the work that needs to be done and not send your profits back to New York, which is where their invoice payments go. We do have a couple of minutes uh, left this hour. Minnesota State Senator Michelle Benson. So appreciate her time uh, for this uh, few segments. Uh, like I say, got a minute or two left. Uh, any uh, general thoughts on the announcement that Minnesota uh, squeaked it out over New York, a rare victory over New York, not losing a congressional uh, well, seat? Michelle Benson? I, I heard the number 89, and then I heard somewhere in the 60s. But here's my question. When did they close up that census count? And how many people do you know who've moved out of the state since then? Because Mm. they're just fed up with the emergency powers. Right. Because I I know at least a dozen. Yeah. Oh, that's a good point. Closer to 16. 
Okay. Individuals who have moved out of the state since they closed up the census, it's very possible that we squeaked by just by timing. Oh yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't doubt that for a minute. I know uh, Governor Cuomo of New York is. Uh, <laughs> I think he's uh, trying to uh, considering a lawsuit uh, regarding this, uh, this particular his uh, state losing a congressional seat. So we'll see how that plays out. But well, good uh, luck to him then. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, now this is something you've lived for, uh, lived through before. In that this is going to be a um, where they're going to redraw the. Uh, Congressional lines. Right. You lived through this in the twenty early twenty twelve. It's going to happen again in early twenty twenty two because the Senate district you were representing initially when you were elected in twenty ten got changed around a little bit. Yes, it um, did. Uh, I don't suppose there's any way to know how this is going to go this time because with a Republican Senate and a Democrat House, it's ultimately going to get kicked to the courts. But it'll be interesting to watch, to say yeah. the least. And the responsibility of the House and the Senate is to draw maps that are defensible in court. So the court can be informed, right? But ultimately, the court's going to draw them out. Yeah, yeah, and that's uh, that's something to come uh, again. Uh, uh, gosh, less than a year now already. It's hard to believe that uh, it seems like it should be like we should know this fall what the districts look like. I know that's not the timeline, but it is it is nerve wracking to think about how lines are going to change. How do you plan for an election? Um, what are our House and Senate majorities going to look like? Right. The House majority, given the behavior of the DFL majority, the House majority could flip. Sure. Not not even a question that that's within reach. The Senate, we're going to do everything we can to hold that majority. And then the governor's up. How do the dynamics of the extremism in Washington play into voters' decisions here in Minnesota? Oh, and by the way, we're going to change all the lines in the middle of all of this. Yeah, yeah, that is, uh, I, you know, I, I remember it uh, uh, quite a bit in 2012. That it just, I don't know, the the magnitude of it then uh, didn't seem as heavy as, you know, what you're describing right now, but I mean, but we'll certainly uh, uh, keep an eye on it to say the least. But uh, as, a, as someone who uh, uh, watches this, pays rapt attention to this, uh, yeah, I'm going to uh, consume it for all I can. Well, again, Minnesota State Senator Michelle Benson, uh, real quick, where can people uh, find you that want to learn more about uh, you personally? Uh, you're uh, obviously the official Senate page at the state. Uh, I'm, I'm on uh, Facebook under Michelle from Minnesota. That's the campaign side. And Senator Benson is the official side. And then Twitter is at Senator Benson. Fantastic. Uh, Michelle Benson, always great to have you in the broad on the broadcast. Thank you so much for sharing a uh, lot of information, to say the least. And uh, have a great rest of your weekend. Appreciate it. Thanks. AM1280, The Patriot, Northern Alliance, Radio Network, hour number one in the books, hour number two coming back in mere moments. Go nowhere. Turn all of the lights. Are you looking for a school where students are encouraged to seek, love, and serve Jesus Christ? St. Stephen's Catholic School in Anoka is a place where that's lived out. Hi, I'm Peter. I've witnessed firsthand the way St. Stephen's School has shaped my children and grandchildren. The teachers and staff love God with all their hearts, souls, and minds. They integrate faith in Jesus Christ throughout the academic day. St. Stephen's is a community of followers with a heart to serve as Christ's disciples by loving and serving their neighbor and community. It's a high-quality, accredited pre-K through 8th grade school with over 130 years of experience. It's a safe, secure environment where children are taught by faith-filled teachers how to think, not what to think. St. Stephen's Catholic School integrates faith into learning to prepare students to make solid Christian choices. Please visit our school at 5th and Jackson in downtown Anoka or visit ststevenschool.org. 
Come experience the difference at ststevenschool.org. Learn how thousands of smart homeowners are investing about a dollar to avoid expensive home repair bills. John, a former non-customer, said, My air conditioner broke and I had to spend $1,900 to fix it. Jeff, a customer, wrote, My air conditioner broke and I got a new one at no out-of-pocket cost. Mary, a former non-customer, wrote, My heating system stopped running. I had to spend $3,000 to get a new one. Lisa, a customer, wrote, My heater stopped working. I got it fixed at no out-of-pocket cost. For about $1 a day, you can have all the major appliances and systems in your home guaranteed fixed or replaced with HSC's home warranty coverage. Call now and the first month is free. If the lines are busy, please call back. 800-824-3853. 800-824-3853. That's 800-824-3853. 800-824-3853. On a bitter December morning, Shelby went to a Twin Cities abortion clinic, planning to get abortion pills to end her pregnancy. A young mom of a three-year-old daughter, Shelby didn't see how she could parent another child by herself. But when she got there, she saw the Alpha Women's Center Mobile Medical Clinic parked nearby. This is Annie with Alpha Women's Center, a pro-life Christian ministry in the Southwest Metro. We operate a mobile ultrasound unit that we call the Miracle Machine. Shelby left the abortion clinic that day and came on the mobile unit instead. When she saw her baby on the ultrasound, she changed her mind and chose life. Alpha Women's Center has been offering help and hope to women like Shelby since 1982, and we're the only mobile pregnancy center in Minnesota. We go where women are, serving in five locations. Our mobile clinic is staffed by licensed medical professionals who offer best practice care at no cost. We're entirely donor-funded by pro-life people like you. To learn more or support our ministry, visit us at miraclemachinemn.com. Celebrating two decades on 